0: For that verse to be seen in the world, in and through our lives. But I think chapter 3 gives us the how behind the who we place our trust in. And so I thought we really just needed to read most of chapter 3 to understand verse 5 and 6. So let's go back to verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Solomon writes, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. As we go back to the beginning, you see, the book of Proverbs is set as, uh, really, uh, against the backdrop of the Torah, which just means it's, the, it's the set against the law of God. So Solomon comes, and he says, son, I, I want you not to forget what, what I've taught you, because these are the commands from God that I have internalized, and I have tried to live out in my life. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching, verse 1, but, but keep my commands in your heart. Why? Well, because they're going to prolong your life many years, and they'll bring you prosperity. Solomon's not saying, I'm not telling you to to follow my commands, but the commands of my God. And if you do, you're going to have a life that is prosperous. Solomon wasn't saying just to conform your life to obey the law, but actually be transformed as you set your mind on God and focus your heart on obeying his word. You see, for us today, it isn't just a mental exercise, but it's actually a way of life that is surrendered over fully to Him. I wanna remind you today that Proverbs are principles, not promises. Some have used this book like a book of promises, and they've actually been disappointed when life hasn't worked out in the way the formula of Proverbs says it would. Like some have said, the Proverbs to me said, Proverbs tells us to train up a child in the way he or she should go, and when they're older, they're not gonna depart from it. And they wonder why that didn't work out for their son or their daughter. Well, they were looking at it through the lens of a promise instead of the lens of a principle. It's not an absolute promise with the desired outcome always happening, but it is a principle that if you live by, he said God will honor and God will meet you. So Solomon comes and he says, hey, I want you to follow God's teaching and I want you to keep his commands in your heart. Why? Listen, son, your life, it will be long and this is really important, full of peace. And really, whatever you do, in God's eyes, you're going to prosper. See, son, God is not out to limit you, but to protect you with his law. Long life and peace. I don't know about you, but I'm learning some things in this season. The peace, that actually lives to really good life. So he goes on and he says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you, verse 3. He says, Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Some translation says mercy and truth. Instead of love and faithfulness. Mercy and truth. David in Psalm 26 said, test me, Lord. Try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I don't think the English language does very much justice to the meaning of love and faithfulness. Let love and faithfulness, Solomon says, never leave you. And here he isn't talking about your love and faithfulness to one another. Although that's important, that's secondary. What he is talking about is never forget the love, the mercy, the faithfulness of God's toward you. Like David, when you are mindful of the love of God, you're actually able to show his faithfulness and his mercy And his love to those around you today. See I want to remind you. Of God's love right now in this moment. No matter what you've done. No matter who you are. That is unconditional for you. And Solomon says never lose sight of that. And today maybe you just need to hear that that God is for you. That the God of the universe is unconditionally committed to you. (laughs) As I was uh, hanging out this week. Uh, My son came, and we had a meeting, just a little conversation. He came up for a couple days um, from college, and I think he wanted two things. He wanted air conditioning, and he wanted some food. Uh, So he came back home, and it was great to have him. But as we began talking, um, I just talked about these verses. And I began to just hopefully impart some truth to him. That, Nolan, I want to tell you as you go back to school one thing. that You are unconditionally loved by God. And you were unconditionally loved by him as your heavenly father. And I wanted to remind him that he was unconditionally loved by me. And maybe that's just for you today. And maybe it might have been just for Nolan and that's the reason maybe he came home. And as I prayed over him, I just thanked God that he gave me a voice into his life to remind him of the great words that I had been reading. See, it says we need to understand this in our daily lives. And we need to live this out according to the great truth that God has given us. And one way to be reminded of that and act accordingly, Solomon says, is in your pursuit of God each and every day. You see, the story of the Bible is is that God actually wants to be known. He spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament so that he could speak God's message to the people, but then he stepped away from that. And he decided he didn't need a spokesperson, a prophet anymore, that he could speak directly to you and me. And that's why God came in human form to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, so he could be in relationship with you and me. Think about it like this. Uh, Suppose I go and and see the doctor and he comes in the room and he says, hey, Matthew, what seems to be bothering you? Why'd you come and see me today? And, And I go through my list of things. And I let him hear all of my complaints and my aches and my pains, and and I lay it all out before him. And then before he has time to speak to me, I look at my watch and I say, well, I'm out of time. I got to get out of here because it took you forever to get me in this room. And the doctor says, wait a minute, don't you want to hear what I have to say? And I'm like, no, I don't have enough time to hear what you have to say. Yet I went to the doctor so I could get a diagnosis of what's going on with me. I think it's the same thing with God. Same way with God, don't you? We kind of unload our stuff to God. But many times we hardly wait to hear from God. To spend time getting to know God. See, see God speaks. And one of the greatest ways he communicates with his child is through what he has already spoken in the scriptures. And part of never forgetting is not just about knowing the commands of God, but actually knowing God himself. And as you tie his commands, as it says, around you, As you get to know him, you become one. You can't help but live differently because you're connected to the creator of the universe, the God by his spirit that lives and dwells within you. There is a connection and a relationship and you are reminded over and over again of this deep love and the whole atmosphere around you changes because something is happening inside of you that begins to affect those around you. That is the result when we never lose sight of the love and faithfulness of God and Solomon comes and he says, listen up son, don't forget. Why? Because he said, if you can remember this and you can live in the presence of the Almighty God, then you're going to gain favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Verse 4. And then we come to the hallmark card of Bible verses. What many of you have memorized, what you put on your refrigerator, what's on the bumper sticker. And if you haven't, I really want you to memorize it because it's an amazing verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. That word trust just means to lie helpless, face down, or as in a defeated soldier who is yielding himself over to his captors, there is a readiness to obey. So with that thought in mind, where do you really place your trust? Oh, you might easily say, oh, all my trust is in God for sure. But what is your life saying you trust in most? See, Proverbs really is about God's guidance and your decisions. God guides you decide. And you decide before you walk. And as you walk, and whatever comes your way, you say, I trust you, God, in everything. There is a reverence and a loyalty And a humility that marks your heart before you ever start to walk. See, that's why verses 1 through 4 are so important. You've given yourself over to God by trusting in his word, by leaning not on your own understanding, by acknowledging him, by humbly giving him the rightful place in your life. Tim Keller um, had an amazing sermon on chapter 3, and it really helped shape my thinking. As he said this, it is possible to believe in God, to actually pray to God, and and still give the functional part of your heart to something or someone else. Oh yeah, you attend church, you pray, you're in a life group, you function as a believer, but let's talk about where your trust really is. See, it's possible to believe in God and function as a believer, but if you're honest, your real security in life comes from something else. Anything you make the trust of your heart, your job, your wealth, your beauty, your relationship, anything that is your trust, that you are emotionally dependent on and becomes first in your life, is an idol. And sometimes we don't know what we trust in until something bad happens. And then that's when we find out. Because it's revealed to everyone else where your trust really is. <laughs> Let's say you lose your job. And that's pretty bad. And some of you have lost in this season, and it changes your life. But if you have placed your identity and your trust and your whole self in your job or your career, what I've seen happen is somebody is so emotionally dependent on that job that when they lose it, they actually lose their way. And many lose their faith. See, Scripture comes and says, hey, lean not on your own understanding, your own knowledge, and your own gifts, in your own opinion. Lean not in your own identity of your job or your wealth or your beauty, but trust in him. See, what are you saying? It's what does God say? What is God's will? What does God want for you? And that's first and foremost when we trust. See, listen, 25% of the Bible, it actually spells out what we are to do and not to do. And there's certain things that we spend a lot of time on. And we have a a lot of conversations with ourselves about what we're going to do when actually the Bible just speaks to that. And many times it says, no, you shouldn't do this. And yet we wrestle. And God says, I've already given the decision. You just got to decide if you want to trust. See, many times we're trying to make a big life decision and we start listening to all the things that we are supposed to really believe in or trust in about that decision before we actually turn to God. Chris talked about it last week with his friends. Talked about all the things in justifying maybe the decision, and at the end said, oh yeah, there's this God thing, which is contrary to what scripture tells us to do. God's first, then guess what? You go to God's word first, and if God's word says no, then you go no. But as Chris shared, what that person did was lean. Actually, she didn't just lean. She stood on her own understanding, and at the end said, oh yeah, and then there is this God thing. And Solomon says, listen, time out. Submit means submit. It's God first. God guides. And then you actually follow what he says. In all your way. I don't know, is there any room for any misunderstanding there? No, there's not. All means all. And that's kind of where we have a problem. And if this season has shown us anything, everyone knows what should have been done. And if I were in charge, I would fill in the blank. But God's word has a lot to say about what we are to do and how we are to be. Question is, are we really anchored to God and trusting him in everything? Or does our action prove our heart is yielded to something or someone else? Submit to him and he will make your path straight. I don't know, your path might not start out straight. Mine sure didn't. But he says God will make a way. And because of him, it will be straight. Tuesday night I was talking to Ella, my 17, almost 17-year-old 17 senior in high school, about her future. And we started talking about college. And I started talking to her about her next steps and actually trusting the Lord. And I was in this, so I said, hey, Ella, Proverbs 3 just said, trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And she goes, Dad, I have a note from you (laughs) in the second grade on my desk. And you wrote me that scripture. I think I I made her lunch, she told me that day. Uh, I didn't make lunch very often. And and the teacher noticed because I think I gave her a sandwich and a Coke is what she said. I thought that was a pretty balanced meal. But she was used to getting a, a snack and a fruit and a vegetable and a sandwich and a dessert. But I just went for the sandwich and the Coke but I did put a Bible verse in there so it was way better than anything else mom ever did, right? And I said this, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and Ella, he will make your path straight. I love you and I hope you have a great day. See, I was trying to instill in her that you put God first. Amazing, 10, 11 years later, I I come back to the same verse. I had forgotten I even gave her that note. But she remembered, see, if you want to follow God's way, then you're going to trust that he will make a way. He goes on, verse 7 and 8, hey, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And I started thinking about that for us. There's a reason we try and get you in life groups. There's a reason we try and connect you, and and especially in this season, to get out of isolation. It says, don't be wise in your own eyes. I don't know how many times I've made decisions just without consulting anyone. My wife, elders, friends, and I think I'm pretty wise. But what I find out over and over again is I need wise counsel speaking into me, because God speaks not only through his word, but he speaks through other people. And see, we want you to be in a group, we want you to be connected, because in isolation, we can make some pretty bad decisions. And we started back our, our group again, and we're walking through with around 100 and other six life groups through our Alpha series. And Alpha, really, we want everyone to understand, really, what it means not only to love God, but how we share the love of God with our community. And I just want to tell you, you need other people. And some of you need to move out of isolation and into community. And he says, listen, don't be wise by yourself, because you're not that wise. You're too big, and God's way too small, is what he's saying. But I just want to encourage you, friends.church, you can go, you can ask to be in a life group, you can sign up. We started new seasons of Alpha and Rooted, and we just want you to be connected to God and God's people. He goes on, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, verse 9 and 10, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. How do you honor God? You honor him first. You give him the first fruits of everything that you have and everything that you make. I don't know, it would be like somebody coming over to your house and you wanted to serve them maybe a fruit salad. You wouldn't use an old bruised brown banana, would you? No, you would probably give them the fresh fruit that you just bought. And the same thing with God. Sometimes we, we give him our leftovers and he says, listen, one of the ways that you show me that you're dependent on me, that you're surrendered to me, is you give me one of the most important things to you. That you set your life up in a way that would honor me and change my world for better so he says give of your first fruits and after all of that he comes and he says my son do not despise the lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in everything kind of changes gears right there in verse 11 but you know what the fuel is for you to become spiritually wise you know what can ignite your ability to understand wisdom and empathy and reflect your Savior in this dark and lonely world, you know what it is? You won't like it. It's pain. It's suffering. It's rebuke. See, the problem is that, that's where we, we get off the trail with God. <laughs> that's where we stop and say, uh, yeah, I think you're wrong, God. I'm going to go my own way. This is where we stop leaning And we start relying on ourselves. And we hold on to our own understanding. This is where spiritually many of us get off the bus because we don't like where it's headed. And Solomon kind of comes in. He throws us a curveball as he says, you want wisdom? (laughs) You're going to have to suffer. You're going to have some pain. It's going to be hard. But listen, you have a chance to be all that God has called you to be. And there is no shortcut to wisdom. How do I know? Because here's kind of how I want to wrap up this section. Right after he tells us about discipline, pain, a little bit of suffering. He said, blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who actually gain understanding. For listen, she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. See, there's no shortcut to wisdom. And you will not bypass suffering to get there. You must go through it to get to the other side. How much suffering, how much pain? Uh, More for some and less for others. But you know what that is? It's life. I figured out there's pain that's consequential in your life with God there's pain without God but I don't know man I would rather walk in that pain and life just brings it our way with the God of the universe that understands that knows that cares and that I am trusting to direct so as I wrap this up what does that mean for you see some of you if you're honest you aren't leaning right now into God you're actually, if you were honest with me, you're just standing firm in your own understanding. See, Proverbs is about wisdom, and wisdom is about choosing to follow God's way every day. You see, the picture that chapter 3 is, is painting is, is like a metaphor for a life with God. Really, the whole Bible is a picture of that, but Proverbs especially. And Solomon says it this way, that God will make your path straight, but you've got to stay on the path. As I was sitting writing this message, uh, my office window looks out onto some trails and, and I saw a bunch of people out there for their morning walk. Some were very intent and energized, some not so much, but they all had one thing in common. Movement. They were going somewhere. They were moving forward. Maybe not very fast, but they were in motion. You see, there was one foot in front of the other. And see, walking... And the path of God is doing something very steadily and very consistently over and over until you reach your desired destination. See, I like the way that Chuck Swindoll said it wisdom is the God given ability to see life with rare objectivity and to handle life with rare stability. Hmm. See, your life, let's just say that picture, that metaphor, it's like a pathway, and you're on a walk. And this chapter is like a, a call and response for you and from God. See, you do this, and God says, I'll do this. Look, at, look back at verse 1. He says, my son, don't forget my teaching. Keep my commands. Why? Well, here's what I will do. Your life will be prolonged. You will have peace and prosperity. He comes and he says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck. Why? Then you're going to gain favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And what will he do? He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Why? Because this is going to bring nourishment and health to your body and your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your money. Why? Because he's going to bless you and he's going to fill your barns to overflowing. And he says, you do this, you do this, I will do this. And life comes at us in these fragments and you can only see so much. And so part of that in the walk is trusting the next step into God. But it is surrendering your entire life over to him, believing that his story is better than the story you're writing. And the rest of your story is still being written by the creator of the universe. And let's be honest, we don't see ourselves clearly and we really don't see ourselves as we really are. Tim Keller said, wisdom is the competence with regards to the realities of life. Let me just ask you, how how many of you have ever seen a picture of yourself and said, oh man, I look awful, don't use that one of me. (laughs) Or how many of you ever heard yourself speak like me on video and I say, I sound like that? Turn that off. I have a hard time watching myself. I won't even let my family watch us uh, on on live stream. We got to watch another church because I don't like it. It's awful. See, we aren't in touch with the reality of who we are. Because we don't experience the other side of us. And on this walk of life, we are are headed one or two ways. At the end of the walk, the question is, are you arriving at the destination you want and God wants for you? Everyday decisions mark your soul and the reality of who you're becoming. See, the actions you take or don't take daily are shaping the reality of who you will become. And Solomon says, you can't stay neutral on this journey because your actions... Are making you into something. And you can't stay the same. So let me ask you on your walk down the path of life. Who are you becoming? Because you have some options today. God guides. You decide. So will you become this? A little more wise? Or a little more foolish? A little more humble? Or a little more prideful? A little more courageous or more of a coward? A little more gracious or a little more angry? Who do you want to be? See, life is lost or gained in the little steps you take each and every day on this walk. That's why he comes and he says, trust in the Lord with just a couple things. No, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That part's on you. Let me just ask you, have you ever had enough courage to ask someone what it's like to be on the other side of you (laughs) and really wanted to hear their answer because you wanted to grow, you wanted really to reflect Christ, you wanted to understand how you were representing Him? Have you ever asked that? Because most of us, if we're honest, we're too scared to receive the truth back into our life. Because it might just be a little too painful. I know it is for me. Especially when I haven't asked, but it's been offered. If you want to grow in wisdom, then grow in your understanding of who you are and who you're not. And if you have enough courage, my challenge for you this week is ask someone to speak in your life that you trust with your life. Ask him, what is it like to be on the other side of you? And then be ready to listen. And if you need to change, if you know that's leading you down bitterness and not wholeness, if you know it's leading you not in humility, but actually in pridefulness, then would you be willing to change? Would you be willing to stop and repent and say, God, I, obviously I'm not trusting you in all my ways. I haven't submitted to you because I'm not reflecting you. Second thing, I just want to remind you, wherever you are, whatever you've done, that you are unconditionally loved by your God today. And nothing can change that. And we ask you, last week, that you would just take God's word and begin to read it every day. And if you haven't, um, we'd love for you to do a proverb every day that, that correlates with the date. So whatever the date is, that you would just pick it up right there. But for the next month, if you would just read a, a, a proverb, a chapter a day, get to know God. Get in his word, join a group. God is writing a much grander story for you than you could ever imagine. The question is, will you let him? Because I know this. (laughs) I gave my daughter this note over 10 years ago. That If you follow God's way, he will make a way. God guides, but you decide. My prayer is you choose him. And gain the wisdom of God in each and every day of your life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word, for your love. Thank you for chapter three. Today I just pray over every person that's watching, God, that that right now where they are, easy to say the hallmark verse. Probably for some of us, we memorize it, but God, to live that out, to be honest with ourselves, to to say, God, are we trusting you with everything? To go back and to realize, God, that your way, here's what it does, and the principles of life, that when we give ourselves over to you, you show up in ways we could never imagine. That when we just keep taking steps towards you, you begin to shape our character and mold us into the person you want us to be. So God, may today, as we read chapter three, hopefully again, and just let it just speak over us that, God, you would use it that we would be people that were completely surrendered to you. Part of that, God, for some who are just walking through some deep pain, I pray they, they don't get off the path. Because the pain is still going to be there, God, but, but they've left your presence. <laughs> and really, that's the only place we could actually handle the pain. So God, I pray that they would get back on that path and they would continue on the journey, that they would just take another step towards you, God, today. And as we see this picture, Father, I pray that we understand that you guide, but we get to decide... And I pray for us as a church that we would give ourselves over to you to understand that we are unconditionally loved by a father that wants to be in relationship with us and that God's wisdom only comes through knowing you, through walking with you, through enduring life's pains and coming out the other side, reflecting you in greater ways. So I thank you today for your undeniable, unending love. And I thank you for the wisdom of Solomon that is passed on to us. God, thank you that you make a way, that when we follow you, that you make a way, when there seems to be no way. I trust you. I put my life in your hands, and I pray everyone watching does the same. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.